The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> I am your host, Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn. One, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Co-hosting from Brooklyn, where it is a little hot for us, but we're still, you know, doing our best to spread love. It's the Brooklyn way. The robbers aren't the only thing that's muggy today. hey oh. No. Listen, it's, it's times like this when even even the uh, the ne'er do wells are you know kind of <laughs> relaxing in the AC that they can find. You know what it's, I'm saying? It's too hot to be hitting folk up. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, real, indeed. And you could find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You could also find us on your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coleslaw the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us all the positive five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. You can also find us recording every Thursday night, mostly every Thursday night, 9.30-ish uh, Eastern Standard Time on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's the, uh, excuse me, YouTube.com slash The Click Nation and Twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles. Again, please hit like, subscribe, hit the notification button so that you will know whenever we are broadcasting live and recording. And leave us the positive reviews. You will know. Yes. And you will know that uh, it wouldn't be... Um, at least a current uh, uh, episode of the Comic Book Chronicles, if we don't start off with a spoiler-free, spoiler-light um, uh, discussion on Marvel's Secret Invasion from this week, which is entitled Betrayed. Betrayed. Uh, betrayed. Right, so we are now halfway through the six-episode run of Secret Invasion, and we're starting to see where this story may be going there's still plenty of time though for twists but we you know we definitely see the plot that is unfolding we see what i think the ultimate gambit of uh 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 you know the uh the 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 rebel you know i don't want to call them evil but at least the rebel scrolls are 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 trying to do 
you know, it's not, you know, it's a remix of what we know from the comics, not just the secret invasion plotline, but how scrolls, um, evolve or at least how the technology evolves to give some of them superpowers. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to see the MCUification of that idea and, and, and that storyline uh, play out in the uh, minutes on, you know, in the, in the storyboard of secret invasion. I will say that Kingsley Benadir is, you know, steals basically every scene that he's in. Um, yeah. There are a couple of shocking moments in this episode. One of them, one one moment that everyone thinks is shocking or, or thought might be shocking really wasn't. And we find out that, uh, you know, um, let's just say that uh, uh, Kirk is uh, not Nick the only Fury. one tapping green women. Yes, yes. I was going to put it a little bit more colorfully, but that'll that'll do. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, and yeah, so the 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 title being called "Betrayed." There's definitely um, a couple of instances of that coming here, including one which leads to um, what uh, something that Agent Seven just alluded to. And some have said in not the greatest way, like you could kind of see it coming because like something happens, which we won't get into. And it's like, yo, you just, okay. So you're just going to go with that, huh? And then it just leads to something else. Yeah. It's a tough development. It is a tough development. Like, you you know, you wonder, you know, what twist they're going to put in because it seems like such a, uh, 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 an odd time for this particular character and even the actor behind this character to have a drastic turn in their storyline. We'll put it that way. Right. You you don't really recognize whether, you know, how many people are going to last do this whole, um, th- this whole, whole show, put it that way. Because you kind of got a sense giving what has happened so far that there was going to be kind of light and still could very well be, but you know, you, yeah, you, there's an expectation that's, that goes along with that. That's slightly subverted here. Ah, more than slightly, but we will see. Uh, there's definitely a wait and see. Uh, and since we are halfway through, we won't have much longer to wait to see how this all plays out. Mm hmm. Um, along with uh, Kingsley Bennett there also, you know, taking up the screen. You know, we don't get much um, Olivia Coleman in, in this one, but when, when she does come in, you feel it. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. And I think, you know, I don't know if we've said this before on the show, mm. but I feel like we're going to have some sort of Captain Marvel, Marvel's tie-in towards the end, because that's obviously the next Marvel outing in the theaters. So it makes it makes perfect sense. Right. Especially that since there would be some sort of there. tie-in. Right. There'll right. be some sort of tie-in um, into the storyline uh, occurring in the Marvels. Obviously, you know, the whole search for a scroll homeworld thing to boot. Yeah, I'm actually, that has brought that question up, whether they're going to, if that's going to be addressed in the Marvels, if not coming out uh, of the end of this. Right. Or something, you know, or, or some kind of, you know, 
side effect or butterfly effect from this series, you know, especially with regards to that particular story point, right. you know, might, might take place in Marvels. Right. So, which I guess would also question, like, well, great. If that is the case, how long is Marvel's going to be? Cause it seems like they already kind of got a couple of, a couple of things that we know about going into this, that they're going to, that's going to be a big thing that they're going to possibly address. Or, well, you know, well, well I mean, we already know, what I was going to say is that we already know that Marvels is almost a, an extension of the uh, the Disney Plus universe, the Disney Plus universe. There's already two characters, right, that are co-headlining the movie that are straight from the Disney Plus side right. of of Marvel. So, right. So, yeah, like I said, we'll see, but we still got a few months for that. That being said, with uh, Secret Invasion, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of on board with it. I know uh, of 70 said he kind of had some thoughts about um, the the series or his, I guess, his enjoyment of the series. I don't know if you wanted to kind of... Re- I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, I'm, I'm, I can't say that I'm like truly enjoying it, but I see what's going on. You know, I see that the bones of something good are there. It's just that, you know, they're... they're you know, I'm I'm still kind of struggling with it a little bit. Um, I did mention though before we move on that there are a few flashback elements of uh, Sam Jackson playing Julius in um, Pulp Fiction during this episode, and I kind of giggled and and I was like kind of reveling in that. Mm-hmm. It was like, say what again? You know, that I could almost hear that as like a possible next line. Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, but also, as I was telling um, uh, Age of Seven Eight before the show, I was watching uh, the Triple X movies uh, a few days ago, and the first Triple X movie was from 2002. So this was well before Samuel Jackson ended up with the role of uh, Nick Fury. And you could see shades of him doing Nick Fury right then. Right. In those, well, at least in two movies that I watched. I, I had, still haven't seen the third one yet. Uh, and for, from what I understand, the third one coming sometime after he's, you know, he had that role, they, they kind of um, baked in some references to, to, the, uh, to the MCU in that. So that in itself kind of funny. But you could definitely hear Sam Jackson. I mean, so... I don't want to, I hate saying this like this, but it's kind of all kind of true. Like there are actors that are kind of like you get this actor because this actor is going to play a version of themselves. Right. Or, you know, Nick, um, excuse me, Samuel Jackson's no, no strange, no, no, uh, no different from this, but at least, you know, he puts energy into it a lot of times, regardless of that's the case. Like you're probably not getting him if you're not getting, if you're not going for that. Right. So that's that in that case, it's not as bad as certain other people you could name. It's like, okay, you're just doing a dry version of yourself, whatever. Yep. So, still great. Man, still getting work. I ain't mad at it. But um, it is just funny just to see. Like, like I said, go back. If you get a chance, go back and watch. Uh, if you're watching Secret Invasion, go back and watch the first Triple X. You, you can definitely see what I'm talking about. So, yeah. It, it, is, it is quite funny. Anyway, with that, we are going to move on to the books of the week. And I believe we said we were going to start off with uh, Doctor Strange number five. 
Sure. Doctor Strange number five is written by Jed McKay with art by Pasquale Ferry, colors by Heather Moore, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. This is a direct continuation of where we left off in the pages of Doctor Strange number four with the pending nuptials of a direct familial relation to one Clea Strange. And so Clea and the good Doctor Strange are off to uh, a wedding. And things, of course, are never as simple as just a wedding when it comes to these magical users and these larger-than-life magical characters. Speaking specifically of Umar... And, you know, I, I forget who, you know, like, I, I don't remember much of her husband, uh, of, her, of her groomsman. What's that? His name is Tiburo, and I can't remember the rest of his. Tiburon, right, right, right. Tiburon. But the point is, he's not like the, he's not like a super well, super recognizable to me. Right. But the officiant is, obviously. <laughs> Which, that was funny. Right. So the officiant at this wedding is none other than, I won't spoil it, but you can kind of guess if you are a fan of Doctor Strange. So, um, I, you know, I just got a kick out of it. If there's one criticism I have, it's that the, the, the tie-in to some of the events of what's been happening uh, in previous issues of Doctor Strange, um, you know, the, the reveal of, of, of who is kind of behind all that and tying all that together left me wanting a little bit. I guess I'll wait to see how this plays out in the next issue, but I kind of groaned at the reveal and the cliffhanger ending of this issue. Roddy Cat and I were just talking about this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the pre-production meeting. So um, it's, it's curious. I'm curious. I am curious to see where this goes in the next issue. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got a kick out of it, even though, like I said, there, was, there have been some um, references to uh, an event that Doctor Strange has, was uh, in was parted to in the past. I, I think it was from, I'm going to keep saying that it's from an old uh, Defender story, but I can't, I don't remember, and I keep threatening to go back and read to see if, see if it's that, because I figured, like, relatively easy to find. But, um... Yeah, it, it's kind of it, this. This was an amusing issue. Is also kind of a uh, potential click of the week for me because of the shenanigans that happened here. But also to uh, kind of bounce off of something um, Agent Seventy said to go a little bit further with it. This, uh, this particular story is even kind of um, let's just say usual fare for even a Marvel wedding in general. Because you have you have certain things that happen, like you have the the wedding that happens, you have the people that come through you, whether you know them or not. And granted, in this case, it's not that many, but the few that pop up that you you know is the case. But also, shenanigans ends up happening either bef- you know before, during, or after the wedding. And this one again is uh, no different from that. That's what kind of uh, gave me um, made me kind of laugh at this. It was like, yeah, you just can't have a Marvel wedding without somebody coming to crash it or. <laughs> or or some kind of shenanigans have happening in this, so even if it is these folks, um, but yeah, that's what kind of, kind of made it a, a pretty interesting read for me. And as far as it coming, going back to the other stuff, I feel like I'm seeing that yeah, they're kind of going back and forth with that stuff. 
maybe you know obviously kind of teasing it out just a little bit longer but uh, um but again not in a way that uh Zeb Wells has done with um with uh Spider-Man as of uh in his run and yeah we're going to keep digging that that trench for a, a, a few more minutes <laughs> because yeah that's 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 still a thing that's kind of still present um but yeah Doctor Strange pretty good continues to be Jed Jed, Jed uh, K kind of keeping it fun even with um you know the the person that shows up at the end right uh, we'll see where it goes that being said uh we can push on to the next book which I believe we said was and I forgot to put the um uh, the other covers but that's fine Fantastic Four number nine Fantastic Four. Number nine is written by Ryan North with art by Ivan Fiorelli, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by our favorite lettering Python, the always hardworking BC's Joe Caramagna. So this issue, it's actually no surprise, given what Roddy Cat and I talked about during our pre-production meeting, is definitely a candidate for click of the week for myself. This is an incredible tie-in, callback, Easter egg, throwback, meta-commentary on a bunch of things that Ryan North pulls off in this issue. Because it starts off, and, and as a narrative device, he uses Alicia Masters. And it is probably the most novel usage of Alicia's um, narrative voice and senses in a story that's ever been done to date. Because we start off with, and this is just the mildest spoiler, we start off with a very with some meta commentary about the existence of fantastic four comics in the world of the fantastic four being published by marvel and uh you know uh, apparently alicia enjoys ben reading these comics to her but not just reading them verbatim but also setting the scene so that she with her mind's eye, can imagine what is on the drawn page, panel to panel. And even giving uh, some real-world historical reference for this, mm-hmm. I thought this was an incredible way to set up this story, and it led into an incredible callback, which Radhika and I were astounded by, because it go, it calls back uh-huh. to the earliest days of Marvel, when titles were not necessarily affiliated with the names of the characters, but r- were rather old, you know, remnants of a bygone age, like uh, Strange Tales, Tales to Astonish, specifically here, and so on and so forth. Amazing Fantasy, even. There's actually an Amazing Fantasy reference in uh, another book that we're probably going to touch upon this week. But uh, just, you know, just so that I can hand this off to Roddy Cat for his thoughts, I enjoyed this 
being mostly told from Alicia's perspective and also a lot of the it's not even a retcon it's just plucking a character out that that was around way back when and putting them in here unbeknownst to us because we just not that you know even though we complain about um Boy, I'm getting too old for this shit. we're not that old that we're gonna remember the first appearance of this character so we're definitely looking at this like who is this wisest person here why is this character here and we find out that this character has you know kind of like agatha has been around all along <laughs> exactly so i will hand it off to roddy cat but i enjoyed this issue very much so yeah, you pretty much summed it up pretty pretty nicely. So there's not really much else, uh, else I can and say about it that without going into anything that would the spoiler. And this is also a particular click of the week for for myself uh, for similar reasons uh, as Agent Seventy. So um, definitely the whole you know uh, Alicia Houston Ben is a, a basically what amounts to a human audiobook <laughs> at this point, or you know as current kids would would know because yeah, you know. Once upon a time, when we were little, sometimes, uh, you know, parents read to their kids. <laughs> right. right. Well, parents still do, but this is an interesting way to do it. Right. Well, uh, what, what I'm saying is, but in a similar manner to this, I don't know how right. much that goes on these days. I mean, it probably still right. does, but to the extent that it used to, because we did not have audiobooks or the like, you know, back right. then. I'll tell you that there was a a great novel use of Alicia's abilities and Sue's abilities here. Mm. I like that. I thought that was an incredible stroke of creativity there. Mm -hmm. Talk about the theater of the mind. This just puts it to a whole new level. Definitely. Definitely. So, yeah, it's like it's not just it's not just force fields, folks. Right, right. And which I guess if you think about it, um, there was some allusion to this in the last, well, in the issue prior to this uh, of something like this potentially happening um, because of uh, because of the way that issue started. So I guess if on hindsight, you can think about it and fly. Oh, right. That kind of brought this into play or, or this kind of brought that into play. So, but it was done in a way it was like, okay, you weren't really thinking about it at the time. So uh, until then, and some people are probably still not thinking about it actually. So, uh, but now that I'm thinking about it right now, it's like, okay, yeah, makes total sense uh, as to why that was going on. So yeah, you should definitely, uh, definitely if you get a chance to read, um, uh, fantastic four number, uh, number nine and probably eight, because it was only a, a couple of issues, um, uh, a couple of issues story, uh, Mm-hmm. But before going into whatever they're going to do next, oh, the 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 one thing I did want to call out, and this is kind of a slight spoiler, um, but not really. But there was a reference to the Rinky Dink outfit that would um, <laughs> that would publish stories based on the Fantastic Four that was based out in right. New York. Right, like, that's what I was. I mean, I I made they make a direct reference to you know right. Ben actually mentions Marvel. That's yes, what I was yes. referring to earlier. Right, but I but I do love. It's like okay, that's a little self referential. I get you, but it, that was but it gave me a nice chuckle. I I, yeah. I, I legit laughed at that. So it's like yeah, okay, they're they're not above you know poking even though it's light fun poking to a little bit of fun at them at, you know at their own expense. Yep. 
that was fun. But yeah, Fantasy Four number nine. It's uh, good stuff. Probably be hearing about it again in a few minutes, likely. Um, no. That being said, we will go to the last book that we, well, one of the last books that we have in common. Um, and that is, I think, Spider-Man, adjectiveless Spider-Man, number 10. Spider-Man number 10 is, uh, is actually uh, conceived as a story by Dan Slott. It is scripted by Christos Gage, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by John Dell and Andrew Hennessy. Colors are by Edgar Delgado. And again, letters are by the hardest working letterer at VC, VC's Joe Caramagna. So this is uh, another direct continuation of the storyline that has been uh, happening in the pages of Spider-Man. That being um, Peter... Uh, kind of self-sabotaging or messing up his own life by trying to make himself better and things going awry, uh, all, uh, you know, with the help of, you know, being abetted by uh, uh, the efforts of one Norman Osborn, who's always trying to uh, do good and not necessarily doing the best, but, you know, sometimes it does work. Um there are plenty of things that happen in this issue to move the story along. It does get tied up a little bit too neatly, in my opinion, but we are catapulted forward into this whole spider kid, spider boy, kid, kid arachnid, you know, whatever they're going to call them, uh, uh, kind of resolution or at least some revelations to that um, uh, character being uh, introduced. So that is where we end up. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, we, as we talked about last week, we know Spider-Boy is going to get his, uh, going to get, um, his own series. I am still not crazy about it. And we still don't really know enough about this character, although we're kind of getting bits and pieces. Well, we're getting, we're getting enough to kind of get a sense of what, but we still don't know much else about, uh, this character outside of what we've been given. Right. We do get a reveal of one specific power that he has that's different from all the other spiders yes you know they're gonna do they're gonna do the miles thing by giving him something completely different from everybody else which they should you know (laughs) yeah because they can't all be they can't all be the same right although even but to even in miles's case like i think the only thing he kind of has well he has different things from Peter, but he there's one thing he shares with another spider character. So so he but he does have one unique thing to himself, and this character in, right. uh, also does as well. Right. Um, outside of that, so yeah, we'll we will probably get to know more about this character in the pages of their own book, or and or whatever happens in this next issue. Uh, that's probably going to cap uh, cap him. Uh, or at least lead him into that yeah lead him into that solo book right oh this is definitely lead lead into that uh, for certain so outside of that like okay yeah and like I said like Agent 70 said it did kind of wrap up just a little neatly but you know that was probably intentional you know yeah just to keep the the book moving forward keep the story moving forward right and Depending on how much, um, you know, but to, well, we know how long it takes them when they when they start scripting books and when they you know when they start talking about uh, doing what they're doing. 
So some of this stuff has kind of been in the making for months prior to probably a good, almost a year prior to, um, prior to it coming out. So yeah, this, this was made this way for, for a reason. And despite what we talked about last week about the spider boy book, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure some of this was, um, pretty much ordained written to, to happen this way Mm -hmm. for that. So it is what it is. Um, where this book goes next, we don't know, but I guess we'll find out. Because normally we would get some kind of seeds going into going into uh, that, but we're still not finished with this thing yet. We're still, we're, once we come out of this, I, I suspect the next issue was going to uh, go down that path, I would think. That being said, though, um, do you want to go into rapid, or do you want to get the one last book that we have in common? Uh, that being X-Men? Yeah. I mean, we can, I'll, you know, we'll do it very quickly because there, you know, it's hard to go into this book that has this issue that has so many, not dangling plot lines, but addresses so many plot lines. So X-Men number 24 is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Joshua Cassara. Uh, colors are by Frank Martin and letters are by VCs Clayton Cowell. So as I just mentioned, this issue of X-Men basically carries several stories forward. Not all of them to be uh, addressed in the Hellfire Gala, but definitely moving this story and this group of X-Men uh, towards the end of their tenure. And the you know what, what has now become at least a minor tradition, we don't know how long it's going to last, of an election of a new hero team of x-men so we have the reemergence of a character from ten of swords kind of a funny you know character and and and, and that character gets to come back and, and kind of wreak havoc we also have uh here uh as i said just movement towards uh certain characters movement movement of certain characters in certain directions in advance of the hellfire gala you know, as as roles are shifting and uh, what may end up being uh, a, a heel turn, as it were, I'll put it that way. Not necessarily a betrayal, but it could be one. You know, there are hints of that being, you know, being seated and 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 laid down. You know, that have been recently in the X books, but I think in this issue there are hints of it there. And uh, as I said, there are uh, a few storylines that are left to be addressed that 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 leave off in this issue to be addressed in other books, specifically X Men Unlimited, which kind of blew my mind. Yeah, we've there there have been a couple of times where we've seen like, hey, here's the thing that was from. Um, the the Marvel a uh, Marvel Unlimited series that just so happened to pop back into an actual book, you know, before they do a print run of it at, at times, and that doesn't happen that very often because you know you can't really rely on the fact that hey people are reading this stuff <laughs> from this mm-hmm. f- on the site, you know, from the subscription thing, then they would be reading out just when they were doing books. So 
that was definitely a surprise uh, to, to seeing that happening. But maybe I guess they feel enough people are reading that book to where that's a thing. But also those things end up showing up, at, uh, getting print runs uh, a lot of times anyway. So whether people are, you know, are, are gravitating towards that that way, it's a thing or, or it's probably a thing. So, yeah, I know I'm for myself, I'm going to have to come to, because um, I kind of only just skimmed this issue, and I did see some of the stuff that uh, 8 to 7 was, uh, was referring to about um, the, the plots that are kind of coming together, including one that I know he wasn't really reading from, um, from um, Rogue and Gambit that uh, kind of popped up in here. I was like, okay, well, I see that. So they're definitely trying to get to a place. Uh, in the whole X universe, so we'll see how it all pans out by the time the gala shows up in the next couple of weeks. And with that, yep. I think that is it. So we can go to rapid fire. Yes, I will spin it up. Rapid fire review time. I ain't got time to bleed. All right, first up for me is Captain America number 750. So this is an anniversary issue, and there are multiple stories here. I will not go into all of the creators, but suffice to say, there are a couple of things that come out of this, a couple of developments that come out of this. I'm not going to spoil all of them, but there are uh, a few important things to note about what happens in this in this issue. First, we get a little bit of backstory on... Sam Wilson, Captain America, and his uh, development into the, you know, and his kind of embracing the role of Captain America now that he uh, has been MCUified into being the primary Captain America. Um, we have some loose ends tied up from the most recent run of Steve Rogers, Captain America. There is a funeral for a friend that passed away recently that died in, you know, in, uh, uh, that died honorably in battle. There are a couple of flashback stories. One has one, one involves Jarvis. One involves a character, Arnie Roth, that, um, you know, long before, um, the culture war stoked a lot of this stuff. And long before, um, uh, uh, same sex marriage was legal. Steve Rogers had a friend who came out to him in the pages of Marvel comics. And that was something in the eighties. I didn't really get when I was a kid, but I understand, you know, I, I didn't really understand it because I wasn't reading every single issue, but looking back on it now, it makes all the sense in the world. So, you know, it's interesting that, uh, uh, you know, for, for, uh, you know, for, for the pages of captain America, you know, to, to a young reader's eyes, you know, the, all that was okay. I, I get that. It's a, it's a you know, bad things are happening to this poor person because of uh, Zemo and uh, and Zola. But you know, it, it it all comes together now. Reading it as a flashback and understanding it, there is a fun short story in here of, of uh, Captain America Steve Rogers being aided by a bunch of kids in Brooklyn, and I smiled. It's the last story in the issue, and it's my favorite one because it's in Brooklyn and because it's a bunch of little kids. This is like a it's, – it's almost like the quintessential Steve Rogers Captain America story. So um, it's a lot of fun. Agent uh, 70 was thinking it was him in that story. We all know this. 
What's that? I said, Agent 70 was thinking, that could be me in this story. Oh, the little, yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just one kid. It's a bunch of kids. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, you know, the, uh, the kids that... Um, the kids that are that that help cap out are you know really living in a rough situation but you know what it's you know that's uh you know it's a fact of life nowadays it's a fact of life now it always has been but uh you know more so now than than even when i was a kid um moving on daredevil number 13 is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Caketo, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. There is an interesting reveal in this issue that basically flips everything we thought we knew about Daredevil's mission as part of the fist in opposition to the hand. And while it's not unexpected, it was kind of like, okay, I get it. I think the saving grace for this issue is Marco Caquetto's art and some of what Zdarsky pens as uh, what what he writes as, you know, kind of hearkening back to some of the classic, you know, Christian, uh, Judeo-Christian and and, and specifically Catholic ways that uh, Matthew Murdoch uh, thinks about and deals with, um, you know, the actual Marvel devils and the way that stuff gets drawn and the way that story gets told is actually pretty fun to read. So if, you know, if, if that's something that floats your boat, you actually may want to pick up this issue and the last issue and take a look at what Zdarsky's doing next up. And last up for me is X-Men Before the Fall, Sinister Four, number one. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Paco Medina, colors by Edgar, Edgar Delgado, and Proto Bunker's Fair Cifuentes Sujo, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Long story short, this issue is vital to anyone who is still mildly confused as to what on earth started happening when we start to see a bunch of sinister type people with um with uh 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 uh, card suits on their on their foreheads you know uh you know uh diamond and club and spade and oh obviously we already had a diamond and the og mr sinister but we find out he may not have been the actual og just the first sinister we had been introduced to if you really want to get the skinny on all that i definitely suggest you read this issue um i thought it's a it's a strong book it could be it it could have been a, a contender for a click of the week because of how strongly it put together a lot of these pieces and filled in a lot of my knowledge gaps in what had been happening what kind what I had kind of been reading in the pages of X-Men and had my eyes kind of glaze over because I'd never liked Sinister as a character but now I understand why uh this is you know why why he's such an integral part of this stage of Krakoa and and precipitating the fall of Krakoa. So um, I think that this is an important read. If not, a, it's not necessarily a click of the week, but it's definitely an important read. So I recommend that to anyone who wants to get up on what is going on in the X books. I think it's pretty important to read. And that's it for me. 
Alrighty, so we'll get into my books with starting off with uh, some space folks. Star Trek Deep Space Nine, The Dog of War number four. Uh, written by Mike Chin with art by uh, Angel Hernandez, colors by Nick Fellardi, and letters by Neil Uitake. Uitake, excuse me. Uh, so yeah, the continuing adventures of um, uh, Mid Dominion War Deep Space Nine crew, um, Cisco and and crew uh, having kind of sort of adopted this uh, corgi named Latinum who had gotten adopted, who had gotten um, kidnapped uh, along with a bunch of Federation data from the station. Uh, the crew sets off into the defiant and uh, goes after, you know, the, the, the people responsible uh, for, for doing this, the mysterious brokers, which kind of reminds me of a kind of a um, mass effect thing. If you know that uh, video game, but you know, nevertheless, this is Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, and things tend to go a certain way with Star Trek missions, uh, either with the mission in itself or some somebody in involved with the mission. In this case, a little of both, but in this case, of course, the uh, the main character of one Benjamin Sisko, uh, in a way. There's also this um, Borg device that is also kind of in, in play um, with this, which if you're an anime fan and you remember a certain part of Gundam Wing where a device is used on the battlefield, kind of similar to that. So I realize that not a lot of people probably know or like uh, Gundam Wing, but I love it. And that's what kind of put me there. Um, but yeah, good story though, so far. And um Actually, I'm not sure how many more we have left in this story, if, if anything. But uh, I guess we'll find out. This, this could be four or five, but I haven't seen where that's the case. Uh, still in the Star Trek corner, we go over to Star Trek Defiant. Uh, number five. Actually, I'm going to do this one first. Uh, that's the variant cover. Uh, written by Christopher Cantwell. Uh, art by Angel uh, Unzueta, colors by Marissa Louise, and letters by non-VC Clayton Cowles in this respect. Uh, this is a potential, another potential click of the week for myself. Um, and uh, uh, another uh, member of the panel who is not here apparently, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, so after last week's uh, kind of, not last week's, last issue's kind of cliffhanger with uh, Spock and Lore, um, uh, the, the certain things kind of come together, but they also pick up another, uh, another person kind of tags along um, much to the chagrin of Worf, and that is uh, the Romulan Sela. So if you know your uh, deep space, excuse me, your um, your Star Trek Next Generation lore, you know that that is the daughter of one Natasha Yar from, I believe, a parallel universe or something like that. But it, it, that whole thing is weird. Um, uh, so, yeah, she's kind of along for the ride with the rest of this ragtag crew uh, as they go barreling into the Day of Blood. And um, this issue kind of makes a way into. Uh, I guess take making the final pushes uh, into getting into that crossover with uh, Star Trek Defiant and the um, the ongoing Star Trek book, 
uh, coming out of this. So the next thing after this will definitely be uh, the the uh, the Day of Blood the crossover event that um, that this that the books have been leading up to uh, up until now. Uh, next book is Steelworks number two of six from uh, DC Comics. Uh, it's written by speaking of um, uh, any wharf being attached to a book. Uh, of which uh, that last book was definitely Worf and Crew. Michael Dorn, TV's Worf, r- is writing uh, this book with art by Sammy Basri and uh, Vicente Cifuentes and Max Raynor with colors by Andrew Dollhouse and Matt Herms and letters by Rob Lee. So, uh, Steelworks is the, the story of... Uh, John Henry Irons, Irons is Steel, and his uh, niece uh, Natasha, as they try to uh, embark on a new thing for Metropolis. Basically, they're trying to uh, make Metropolis safe without having to rely on the supers of which he, uh, of which they are a part of. And this uh, particular issue is him pretty much. Um, finally talking to the supers a gay superman superboy uh, the so a couple of uh, supergirl the rest of them that i don't know um you know about his plan but while he's doing that uh the uh his uh tower steelworks tower is being attacked a couple of times well in the beginning of this was being attacked by uh an unknown assailant to them who seemingly has the same powers as um, uh, a Marvel character that can also phase through walls that is not a hero. Uh, but also part speedster, let's just say. Uh, and this particular adversary comes uh, because of um, some former connection to uh, John Henry Irons and some folks that are against what he's trying to do. So, um, someone had to, someone had to be the pawn and that is this person. But at the end of this, um, while, uh, uh, John is kind of talking to the supers, uh, his niece, Natasha goes and, uh, does a little investigation on something of her own. And that kind of goes away. You think it does in situations like that, uh, to be continued in the next book. Now back to the uh, space corner. We got Star Wars number 36. Uh, there we go. Bing. Written by uh, Charles Soule. Art by uh, Andrea DeVito. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And letters by BC's Clayton Cowles. There is a certain sound effect that I'm going to uh, have to ask uh, Agent 7 to, to queue up. Because it's going to slightly come into effect here. So... Okay. Um, Leia, you know, so given all that business that's going on in Darth Vader with uh, Darth Vader's uh, powers going under control and in, and I guess on the side note, uh, the Emperor's as well, Leia kind of gets wind of this going on, so she decides to say, hey, this is there's no better time for us to kind of uh, strike a blow to the Empire by, by um, doing a thing. So uh, there's a plan put in place and of course, Akbar is a part of that plan. And as that plan kind of uses um, 
uh, some amusing references to something that happens in the movies. Uh, there ends up being a trap. It's a trap. Um, that ends up uh, being set while not originally um, there. That ends up kind of falling into, I guess, uh, because they may have possibly underestimated um, um, the Empire slightly. But being that Lando and the Falcon, Lando Chewie and the Falcon, and uh, uh, are involved, including another pilot who ends up. Um, being co-piloting, end up co-piloting the Falcon, things kind of um, progress, let's just say, uh, in the way that uh, these things tend to progress when you're talking about the rebellion and plans such as they try to enact coming out of this. So, yeah, we definitely get the um, something that's going, we, we get uh, the shades of something that uh, ends up happening or ends up coming up in uh, Return of the Jedi because this is being set uh, during or after I should say Empire Strikes Back. So it was a nice little thing to see. It's like okay, well this is how we get this. Cool. Um, Star Wars Yoda number nine is the next book. There we go. Um, book written by Mark Guggenheim with art by Alessandro Miracolo color artist Annalisa Leone and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna Um, I kind of had this as a potential click of the week for me because it was good but I don't know given some of the other stuff we talked about it's you know um, maybe less so but it was still good so we're still on the mission with um, or in the mission in the past with Yoda and uh, one Anakin Skywalker before, well before he turned into the uh, the, the person we know him and love to hate him as now, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, and it's involved a new type of droid that they have to take out that they went and tried to take down, but there was one still kind of left. Uh, and that's where we are in this particular issue with them taking care of, taking care of that, which leads to, unfortunately... A rescue, well, fortunately and unfortunately, leads to a space uh, space rescue mission, but also a lesson in the force between the two Jedi. Um, And we finally find out who is the mysterious force force ghost uh, that Yoda is talking to in quote-unquote present-day Dagobah while he's in uh, exile. And it's who you thought it was, so not surprising. Um, in that, and actually, folks, that is it for me. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. So we already got one from um our panelist Dirt, and it will probably no come to very little surprise to anybody who's been keeping track of this uh star trek defiant number five is uh dirt's click i was joking with him before we went on about here about this um saying that you know when i when i go and ask for clicks of the week and i basically said hey there are there is some star trek out this week so yeah you know what you know it's 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 no surprise yeah no surprise not really 
but and to be fair, those are actually the, the, the books have been actually pretty good, including this week. So I'm not, you know, but that, that's just kind of been the running thing uh, when these uh, issues come out. Uh, do you have yours? I think mine is going to be straightforward, but it basically uh, mirrors what I was saying earlier in that there are a couple of strong, strong books that I read this week. Um, X-Men Before the Fall, Sinister Four, number one. Not, not, not necessarily the best book, but probably the most helpful hmm. for me, given my, 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 my poor recall of all of the sinister stuff that has been happening in the X-Books recently. I will say that I did enjoy X-Men number 24, even though it's a little disjointed, uh, with all of the different stories that are, you know, being carried forward. Uh, but I think the strongest book I read this week, the most fun I had reading this week, was Fantastic Four number nine. Shout out to that creative team for putting out an incredible read this week. I had it queued up because I knew that was the case. <laughs> yeah. And I, and honestly, don't blame you because, yes, it, it is possibly undeniably one of the, the strongest well it's not even possibly undeniably one of the strongest books from this week personally and and, and with yourself as, as well i'm kind of almost wanting to go with you on this and i just might but i'm thinking back on what else i had to you know what else i had read and, and said were potentials like dr strange also uh, a particularly good, good book for me because it was just fun and you kind of expected some of the things that would happen but also like I said like I was saying earlier it's like yeah it's a Marvel wedding so you expect some some things to happen and it did not disappoint uh, Star Wars Yoda also was a pretty um, was, was a pretty great book um, as well as Star Trek Defiant and even uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine uh, The Dog of War number four it was good um but I think yeah I'm I'm probably going to second that Fantastic Four book cuz like the, the 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 way that book kind of presents itself is it, just undeniably great uh with with everything it, it did with it so that's what I'm going to go with as well. And with that we're going to go into the news section but first let's get an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron Fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. So place your first order with $30 off. And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through CSPN.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we start off with cinematic news as we do about this time. John Wick 4 outranks... MCU, Fast X, and popularity according to a study. Personally, I'm saying I'm not surprised, but hey, guess what? Somebody did a study on this for some reason. 
Um, per the ramp via screen ramp, a study from Parroted Analytics found Chapter 4 attracted 200, 216 times the demand of average movie um, of the average movie to become the most popular film of the year to date, beating out multiple uh, MCU titles and the 10th Fast and Furious movie along the way. Last one, not surprising. Yeah. Um, but uh, this article is noting uh, Galaxy of the Guardians Volume 3 as well as Fast X, so there is that. Yeah, like I said, neither, neither one of those are a big surprise as I hold up my copy of John Wick 4, Chapter 4 that I just got <laughs> a couple of days ago. Nice. Uh, so yeah, next up. Nice. Happily, I happily have mine. I have skimmed it. I have not sat down and watched the whole thing because I've gotten, uh, I, I, I've, I've watched uh, a few other new things as well as rewatched Haikyuu for the 796th time. So, or at least portions of Haikyuu. So, but uh, I enjoy having that on my uh, movies anywhere, Apple TV, you know, all that stuff. So, right. Oh wait, one more one, before you get into that. Before you get into that, there is a note here which I can't remember if was confirmed if we had confirmed before now, but it says here that is well, this article says here that Lionsgate isn't ready to let the franchise just die just yet, as it was recently confirmed that Chapter Five is in development. Once again, yeah, not surprising. Yeah, they'll figure something out. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if it'll be a prequel or a sequel that nullifies what happened in four or carries it forward. We'll see. Marvel has confirmed the MCU super scroll won't use fantastic four powers because the fantastic four has not yet been uh, introduced. Uh, This is talking about the current secret invasion story. Um, There are elements of parallel or similar powers that uh, the MCU version of the Super Scrolls or Super Scroll program, as it were, may be able to replicate. So we will see how that goes as we as we uh, get into the second half of the Secret Invasion season. Right. It's it's like, yes, they actually are, but kind of not in the exact same way. Right. To me, it seems like they're still trying to develop like weren't they called power scrolls at one point? I don't honestly remember, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, actually, you know what? Yeah, there probably was at, at some point, but I don't. Right. So it's kind of a mix, right? It's kind of a mix of the super scroll and the power scrolls. Like we don't know if this is leading to a scroll that's able to like quadruple wield powers. We don't know if this is just going to be like one scroll that gets to wield like one or maybe even two, you know, and I guess the nadir of their technology would be the super scroll. And maybe that's what comes up after they introduce the FF. So we'll Actually, see. That's I th- judging by the trailer for sequel invasion. And if, if that, if at least if the trailer and what we saw in this last episode uh, is to be the case. Now, I think we actually have kind of seen something akin to this group of Super Scroll, or we will be seeing by the time this, uh, by the time this uh, bears out. But, and if I remember correctly, yeah, the whole Power Scroll thing, I think there was probably like a team of them with that was led by the Super Scroll at one point. Mm-hmm. 
I would have to like look that up in uh right, same same same. It's just that I you know uh, the super scroll is not the only super powered scroll. Right. That's because, that's my point. Right. And supposedly so, one of the other characters that's that's in the Secret Evasion plays is potentially playing a version of one from the comics, or will play one. You know, we've seen them. We just don't know whether they're going to get to that point during this. Right. They likely might. We'll see. Anyway, um, Marvel includes a nod to Netflix's Daredevil in latest uh, in Secret Invasion episode. This is actually a spoiler for last week's uh, uh, episode two of Secret Wars, so not this week's. But apparently, the um, the the network that uh, Shooter McGavin works for the the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I, I can't not Shooter call him McGavin. that now because it's like I, I know as soon as I brought it up I was like oh yeah that's the bad guy from uh, uh, Happy Gilmore right because I and I, I I knew I've seen that dude from somewhere I was like why do I remember and then when you mentioned that I was like right Happy Gilmore so yeah Shooter McGavin works for some faux Fox News uh uh uh, 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 channel, uh, and uh, apparently there was a nod uh, to said channel. Not just when he, I guess, comes on. Well, I guess when he does come on uh, of that, and that kind of harkens back to Marvel's Daredevil for, uh, Netflix show, basically. So to, to um, and this article kind of postulates whether whether that particular network is going to have a larger part in it or not or that was just a nice little nod that just happens to be the case i don't know we'll see next up all right so speaking as a guest in the jw3 speaker series mcu star benedict cumberbatch confirmed that he will return as doctor strange to film scenes for an upcoming marvel film that is set to start filming quote next year uh, he said, there are some Marvel capers in the making next year. It's possible that Cumberbatch is likely returning to filming for Avengers The Kang Dynasty, but the the recent delays in the movie Slate may hint that this may not be the case anymore. So we will see what that project might be. Who knows? He might be just like, you know, like in addition to Wong, like the new Iron Man, the new Tony Stark, like the interconnecting uh, uh, web, you know. Perhaps them and Spidey, maybe them and Spidey, right? Well, given what's going on with that, what well, potentially what might be going on in that Spidey Spidey part of the universe, I don't know because there's been rumors of things and of changes in that area, but we don't know. Could very well right. be. Um, WandaVision apparently is is actually going to have a season two, according to, um. Deborah Jo Rupp of, of that 70s show, that 80s and 90s show. Well, I guess I don't remember if those are 80s, but that 90s show fame also. Uh, speaking with Berkshire Magazine, uh, Ms. Rupp indicated that uh, Marvel Studios' upcoming series, Agatha Coven of Chaos. Oh, Agatha Coven of Chaos will act as the second season of WandaVision. So WandaVision is not actually getting a second season, but this new show is, is going to be acting as such. Got it. Um, 
Oh, while discussing her work on Netflix, that 90s show specifically called the new MCU series, uh, the second season of WandaVision for Marvel, comparing it to American Horror Story with every season being a whole new kind of thing. And then the, there's a quote from her through that. Now, putting aside the Marvel snipers, we don't, we don't know what these people know or, 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 or can actually say or whether they may even know what they're saying when they say some things. Not saying that she doesn't. You know, kind of got to take it for the grain of salt as as it is until we see something uh, official. Next up. All righty. So Shang-Chi 2 gets a disappointing update from Simu Liu, the star of the movie after Avengers the Kang Dynasty has was announced to be delayed. Uh, He basically wrote uh, in reply on uh, Twitter or Instagram, or Threads. No, it is Threads. It's Threads. Yeah. <laughs> it's Simu Liu on Threads. He said that he was told it would follow Avengers, but that keeps pushing back due to circumstances beyond his control. Hope to have more concrete news to share soon. Oh, that stinks. It, it, it's understandable why you thought it would be, um, why you thought it could be Twitter, because th- apparently Threads look just like Twitter. I have, I'm on Threads. Look but, at look for uh, at agent underscore seven or well, not at but agent underscore seven. Sure, but apparently that's also um, a, a Meta slash Facebook thing, so I probably won't be going there. <laughs> well, maybe it'll be a CB Caps thing. It could be. It could be. But me personally, nah. Next up, though. Um, whoops. There we go. Twisted Meadows. Anthony Mackie sets the scene for a dystopian series. So, yeah, this thing's weird. Um, Twisted Metal is based off of old PlayStation uh, car combat game. There's a live, live action uh, adaptation that uh, Anthony Mackie is um, starring in. And apparently Samoa Joe is uh, the, the body of Sweet Tooth. Uh, and Will Arnett as the voice. Go figure. Um, but apparently the, the actor... Um, uh, uh, Anthony Mackie recently spoke to Inverse about the upcoming action comedy series. Uh, from some folks, uh, even though the f- even though the first Metal King came out in 1995, Mackie believed the franchise's violent dystopian setting and over-the-top social satire would strike a chord with modern audiences. Uh, and then there's a quote here, which I won't get into. From what I've seen of that thing, that's going to be weird. Uh, but it's on Peacock, so I no telling if I get a chance to watch it, unless it's, unless it's free. But, hey, there it is, folks. Next up. Uh, let's see. I have this uh, Suicide Squad Isekai trailer, right? Mm-hmm. Suicide Squad Isekai trailer shows a new take, new takes, actually, on Harley Quinn and the Joker. So there is a trailer for this DC anime series. And it is out now, which shows off the series' versions of these two popular characters. Take a look at it on this link. Yes, and with that story, that brings us into the anime corner. Also happy as as Agent Seventy found out for last week, he knows what isekai is. Isekai now is, and you you probably now seeing it everywhere. <laughs> right, 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 right. Because right, right. isekais have gotten way big in the last. Um, decade or so so 
not surprised by this thing. But then, because we kind of talked, also talked about this being a rumor last week. So there's that. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen announces a special live action project. Uh, the update comes from the official Jujutsu Kaisen uh, Twitter account on. So it says here that the anime took to social media to inform fans that a special promo is in production overseas. It turns out the series is working on a live action TV commercial. The big project is made is being made to celebrate the release of Jujutsu Kaisen Volume 23, along with the manga's recent sales milestone. I'm going to take this point just to uh, tell folks if you are not keenly already aware that Jujutsu Kaisen, as of the day we are recording. Season 2 has just started, and neither uh, Agent 70 and I have seen it just yet. But also, if you, like us, uh, don't remember one blessed thing from uh, Season 1, there is definitely a recap of video from Season Q to, uh, season 1 out there on video. Probably a few of them, most likely, uh, if you, uh, you know, search the YouTubes. But there is one definitely that we pointed to in the show, uh, clickbait section of the show notes. Next up. Uh, Anime Expo remains a big event, even though it had a crazy set of crowds uh, and and bad crowd control from what I was able to see on some uh, videos uh, published online. Um, Pluto is um, an anime adaptation created by legendary artist Naoki Urasawa. The series dropped a new trailer to give fans a closer look at this dark interpretation of the anime favorite Astro Boy. Um, Pluto's anime adaptation is set to arrive on Netflix later this year. The story of a technologically advanced society with a seedy underbelly is highly anticipated thanks to the original source material as well as the breadth of work that creator Naoki Urasawa is known for. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, actually it is. Uh, oh, the uh, Pluto will hit Netflix on October 26, 2023. Yeah. Not to be confused with Pluto TV also. <laughs> uh, right, or Pluto the Disney dog. There you go. There you go. Uh, or Pluto of, the sometimes planet. Yes, the, the, the former planet. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I'm a... I'm gonna take this real quick second to uh, to pimp something that I have not even watched yet. So I so, but it seems interesting. Um, Kazazi Moto, which is an anthology, um, an anthology series that is on Disney Plus. I believe one of the directors is um, is one of the directors of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse uh, movies. So there is that. I know they have been uh, out there on Twitter talking about it, uh, and it just got to on um, uh, uh, Disney Plus, I believe, in the last couple of days ago. But basically, it's a, a sci-fi anthology uh, produced uh, from from Africa, inspired Peter Ramsey. Thank you. Uh, that's who I'm thinking of. Uh, there are ten shorts uh, that are all out there right now. You can check them out. I think I've seen like a piece of one that looks pretty cool. Um, so definitely check that out if you are, are, are so inclined to, because it looks from what I've seen, it looks good so far. Uh, but Beastars confirms final season release window with new uh, new poster. It sounds like uh, we're not getting the the last season until 2024, which I did not know it was on five seasons. Wait, I'm sorry, that's not five seasons. Uh, I didn't know 
how many seasons this thing has had already. Because I think I only watched the first one. Uh, but yeah, the um, this is also news coming out of Anime Expo. And that apparently that next year's Anime Expo uh, uh, in 2024 is definitely going to um, uh, see some release and some more information on the last uh, season of uh, Beastars. So, yeah. Next up. Uh, Netflix's ZOM 100 bucket list of the dead live-action movie trailer has been released. So, originally announced to be in the works before the anime production was first revealed, Netflix's live-action take on ZOM 100, bucket list of the dead, stars Eiji Akasa as Akira Tendo, who's a, he's a salary man who's grown burned out by work and wanting the chance to be free. Akira ends up celebrating the fact that that the zombie apocalypse goes down because it means he's free from his responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's such a good thing, man. Anyway, no. there's a trailer out for this, and, uh, you know, I hope, you know, people enjoy it. Uh, it's going to be released on August 3rd on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, and uh, wait, does it say, I don't think it says which one comes first, because it's definitely getting an anime and a live-action thing, so I, I guess this teaser is for might be for both, but we see in the, the live action version prominent in this image. So, hey, go for it. Um, speaking of Netflix, Netflix is one piece to star iconic anime cast. Um, again, more anime expo news says the Japanese done a dub for the one key piece live action series will feature the voice cast of the one piece anime, uh, notably live action star, uh, Oh, live-action Luffy star uh, Inaki Godoy shared a video of meeting Luffy, the voice actor, Mayumi Tanaka. And it was confirmed that Tanaka will be in the dub along with the voice cast from the One Piece anime as well. Uh, and you can check out the um, um, the, the video for the, the cast listing uh, there. But it's also in the um, uh, uh, this article. Next up. Uh, delicious, right? Delicious, yes. delicious in dungeon is coming to Netflix in 2024. So apparently it's a highly anticipated anime debut next year. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. So the original delicious in dungeon manga series by Ryoko, Ryoko Kui, Kui, <clears throat> excuse me, has been one of the most requested anime adaptations uh, in the last several years. And soon fans will actually get to see their wishes come true. So let's see. Uh, premieres in January 2024. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Release anime adaptation release uh, character visuals and cast. Apparently this is another highly anticipated anime uh, and adaptation. Um, what I, I can't say that I've ever heard of, but hey, there's a lot I haven't heard of, so not surprising. Uh, the anime adaptation of Dr. Lee's The Royal Lady with the Lamp was already on every manhwa fan's uh, radar, uh, but a recent announcement has made it one of 2024's most recent releases. Um, uh, the, the, there's some voice uh, talent of which uh, is notable uh from a couple of different places, such as uh, Yui Ishikawa, best known for voicing uh, Mikasa in Attack on Titan, who will be playing the Mikasa. Yep, 
uh, playing the titular role of Elise. The role of Lyndon has gone to Yuhei Akazami, Azakami, excuse me, known for his work on Bunko Stray Dogs and most recently Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury. Um, and they are joined by a familiar face in Yo- uh, Yoshimasa Hosoya, who will take on the role of Graham, who's also worked on uh, Bungo Stray Dogs and Attack on Tyner, uh, Attack on Titan as Rainer. So, some, some, Reiner. some, Reiner, okay. <laughs> some notable, uh, voice actors here. So, folks, for this, uh, so for anything else, you know, you know, you'll know you know the voices. Next up. Uh, Gurren Lagann celebrates 15th anniversary movie with a new trailer and poster. So that 15th anniversary is this year and Studio Trigger is going all out for the fan favorite franchise with a new trailer and poster showing off the upcoming re-release of Gurren Lagann's big movies. So these are all coming out uh, in 4K Ultra HD re-releases. Looking for dates. October, uh, August 25th, September 22nd, October 6th, and October 20th. So that's how it seems to be broken up. Um, you know, take a look for, you know, we'll have more information as we get it. Mm-hmm. Who do you think I am? Anyway, um, that's an inter- that's, that show's kind of wild. Uh, Penny and Stocking with Garter Belt reveals first look at Revival. So Studio Trigger took the stage at Anime, Epo, uh, Anime Expo to show off more of what's coming from its big Penny and Stocking with Garterbeck Revival anime uh, project. Studio Trigger, uh, as uh, most anime fans, well, a lot of anime fans know, has a lot of new projects in the works, including uh, the aforementioned uh, Tengen Tapa Gurren Lagann uh, Revival and uh, Delicious in Dungeon. So, um, there is that. And we got, um, I guess, a, an official promo video about uh, Penny and Stocking with Garter Belt and a little bit more details um, from Anime Expo 2023. There's no current release date on uh, when the project is going to come, so probably likely next year, but sure we'll find out at some point. Next up. Uh, next up, sorry, I'm a little behind. Checking baseball scores as usual. Spy X Family and Street Fighter 6 Team Up announced. Wow, a team up was announced with a special poster. Wow. <laughs> so Spy X Family is getting ready to take over the world with a new TV anime season and a movie hitting theaters. But first, they will be going through Street Fighter 6 in a special new collaboration, colliding the two franchises announced with a special new poster. The anime adaptation for Tetsuya Endo's original Spy X Family manga was one of the biggest new anime releases of 2022. So it's no surprise to see the anime announced. Plans to return this year with the second season, but the bigger surprise was that there's also a new movie in the works as well. So now I'm going to have to open up this article to see what this team up with Street Fighter is all about. So, um, so in celebration of Spy X Family Code White, which hits theaters across Japan later in December of this year, um, in celebration of that, um, uh, this collaboration with Street Fighter 6 is teasing more details will be announced. And more details of this collaboration are going to come out. So we're still waiting on it. So, wow, it's Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah, there's an image on here that is uh, admittedly potentially exciting. 
because um, who doesn't want to see your going up against uh, Chen Li? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So that would be wild if they put your in Street Fighter Six. That would be some funny shit. But I, you know, I dig it. Um, all right, we're going over into the comic book news. by making a stop into the toy corner first with the DC deck building uh, game reveals Flashpoint crossover expansion. So the Justice League Dark DC deck building game expansion has uh, apparently made its Kickstarter goal and is unlocking new stretch goals, but Cryptozoic Entertainment is also revealing even more to get excited about. Uh, Cryptozoic has revealed crossover pack 10, which will be based on none other than Flashpoint. Because of course it is exactly. Not that there's any movie or anything that would that would possibly necessitate something like that. But hey, um, the Flashpoint crossover pack will operate like other crossover packs in the line and can be added to any DC deck building game based game. Uh, the artwork will be pulled from the comics, and the set will also uh, introduce overpowered alternate time timeline up cards. While we wait for more detailed update on the new mechanics and cards, you can find uh, the first look at the Flashpoint crossover pack 10 below uh, in this article. And the campaign, a link to the campaign can also be found in this article. And uh, there's the, what the pack looks like. It's the cover of Flash, Flashpoint. No surprise. Next up. Blade Runner 2033 Labyrinth is announced by Annapurna interactive so this is the first blade runner game in 25 years will also be annapurna's first in-house production so the world of blade runner is about to get bigger uh this is a new video game set in the dystopian world of ridley scott's 1982 film uh let's see so there are not many details known about the upcoming game uh so but we do know some key story details the game will take place between the events of the original blade runner and denis villeneuve's sequel blade runner 2049 and approximately a year after the events of the 2021 anime blade runner black lotus okay mm-hmm. yeah the uh, the the first in-house production uh from annapurna because they usually do publishing and not actually developing anything so that ought to be interesting in itself that's in the dragon's telegraph's fifth edition changes in major release Mm. Uh, yeah i i've had this i've been holding on to this article for like a a week or two because you know dungeons dragons fans including ourselves (laughs) and i know they've been having a time trying to uh trying to get this release together for various reasons but apparently, uh, a glut of the playtest materials that were that have been launched uh, in the past week or two um, represent the biggest past patch of uh, batch of pros changes so far to the game's popular fifth edition rule set. The Unearthed Arcana document runs seventy-seven pages and includes substantive changes to seven core classes from the player's handbook from twenty twenty-four, which is uh, bard, cleric, druid, monk, paladin. Ranger and Rogue. Feedback on the playtest opens with a survey on July 11th. Uh, and it goes on to talk about the realignment and, and whatnot that Wizards of the Coast is going through with that, with the game and, uh, you know, with their one D&D initiative and probably some of the issues that they have um, <laughs> fallen into 
uh, while they've been doing this, but I don't know if this is that. So yeah, look forward to more news on that. Um, actually, wait, uh, next week, I guess, if there is any. Because it's yeah. next week. Next up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, basically, you know, the, the way the article reads is that we're just going to get, you know, and we've talked about this before, we're going to get brand new updated core rule books next year rolling out in a way in waves. And it might just be time to pick up a new edition and just go from there and see, you know, because the last edition was in 2014 and this will be a full 10 years later. And I can see some people probably already scrounging the, the if they didn't already have them picking up 2014 rule set books just for some sort of supposed collector's item. Right, 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 right. All right. Next up, uh, Fortnite's Transformers collab finally lets you be the Battle Bus. If that's what you want. <laughs> Battle Bus bot arrives alongside Bumblebee and Megatron. So after years of riding the battle bus and thanking its driver, Fortnite players will soon be get to be the battle bus thanks to the game's ongoing crossover with Transformers. The Fortnite battle bus bot will come to Epic's Battle Royale game this October alongside uh, Bumblebee and Mega Megatron. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. So the the battle bus is not an actual Transformer itself, but some Ooh. of the best. Uh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> It's Fortnite, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, but also, Battle Bus just reminds me of a Double Dutch Bus. <laughs> that song, if you're of a certain vintage. So, but I will not sing it. Um, now on to some actual comic book news. Self Surface Board officially, apparently, has a new writer. Um, and this is spoilers for a Silver Server Ghost Light, which I don't uh, number five, which I don't believe uh, either one of us have been reading. Um, but yeah, apparently, uh, this new character, Ghostlight, who I believe, I guess is a new kind of retconned character. Um, I had, again, I haven't been reading that story, but apparently Ghostlight can, can now ride the, the Silver Surfer Surfer. So I guess he can say to me, my board. Right. I mean, come on. He's not the only person that can ride the board because uh, what's her? Now I forget her name because you already referenced it. You know, the character that named the board that 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 named the board to me. Well, yes, but I'm I'm guessing because this character has, I guess, uh, cosmic powers themselves, and uh, um, I don't know if this version of the board is is has the same amounts of sentience that. that the uh, slots did in during that run, so, right? I don't know. It's probably a difference, but I agree with you basically. Right? Because <laughs> I thought about it, I was like, wait, it's not the only one, but most of the time she was with the surfer when it happened, and the uh, you know, or sometimes the board was sent to her, right? You know, or acted upon her request. So I don't know. There, there's probably a difference here. Maybe one of these days I'll read that thing. Um, but anyway. Alex Ross Art announces Marvel Villains Mural at, um, I guess it's going to be at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So, let's see. Alex Ross Art returns to Comic Book Con International San Diego with convention exclusives, art debuts, and more. Uh, Last year, it was the hero's turn. Now, the sleek gallery experience will uh, feature a stunning mural uniting 37 of Marvel's classic villains, illustrated by the revered, according to this article, uh, article writer, which, hey, Alex Alex Ross's art is great. 
no doubt. Revered comics artists of Kingdom Come, Marvels, and uh, Fantasy Four Full Circle. That would be one Alex Ross. Um, capturing the menace, danger, and allure of the character of characters like Green Goblin, Doctor Doom, and Thanos. This stunning group-ish uh, image represents the definitive take on Marvel's deadliest foes. Uh, the beautifully painted artwork originally appeared on a new series of Marvel variant covers earlier this year. So, yeah, you can kind of get... Uh, oh, there we go. You can see the image of this article if you're watching the video version. I got it up right now. You should watch the video version sometime so you can check some of this stuff out. Um, but also, there's some other announcements like an Alex Ross sketchbook, the X-Men 60th anniversary tribute, uh, the Protectors also which looks like it was originally created for the cover of Captain America and Iron Man number five. Um, and I guess amongst other things. So if you're going to be at San Diego and you're going to, you know, check that out and you like Alex Ross's art, Hey, go check it out wherever that's going to be installed next up. Right. So this is a preview of immortal X-Men number 13, which goes on sale this September from Marvel comics. So, Mortal X-Men teases new information about Krakoa being dropped in the wake of the fall of X, or fall of Krakoa, whatever. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, all this stuff is going to happen post-Hellfire Gala. We'll, we'll see how all this stuff plays out this summer and into the fall. <laughs> and not just the season. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Loki. Loki. Loki wields uh, Lord's hammer in Marvel's Dark What If uh, preview, which also reminds me, uh, I'm slightly surprised that Agent 78 did not, or probably did not get a chance to read the Thor annual from this week. I did not. I had. I wanted to get to it. I just couldn't get to it because uh, I didn't have it available to me in time. Right, because a couple of things I've seen kind of coming out of that seem kind of interesting. I might actually have to read it. Um, but it also sets up that immortal uh, uh, Thor book that's coming up, sounds like. Anywho, Thor's trusty hammer, Mjolnir, falls into the hands of his evil brother Loki in a preview for Marvel's What If uh, Dark, Lo- Dark Loki number one. Um, it goes into the uh, the animated series. Da, 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 da. There's a preview uh, of What If Dark Loki number one by Walt Simonson, Scott Eaton, Cam Smith, Scott Hanna, Andrew Dalhaus, and VCs Travis Lanham. That is attached to this article if you are so interested. So yeah, uh, a new Thor tale written by Walt Simonson. What's not to like about that? Next up. Sorry, my apologies. I was just flipping through uh, the Thor annual. Like, oh, I'm going to have to read this. <laughs> uh, let's see. Marvel, spoiler alert, reveals Venom's version of Spider-Man Noir. If you really care about Venom and the Venomverse, then yeah, there is a Spider-Man Noir version in Extreme Venomverse number four. Good luck. Yeah, the Venom and the the Venomverse book came out this week. Neither one of us cares, but I figured, hey, it's quote-unquote. Listen, if you're a fan, you're a fan. I, I get it. There you go. Uh, from the Star Wars corner, Star Wars High Republic launches Phase 3 and reveals Buraga's Biryaga's fate. Not the Baba Yaga. Biryaga. Um, apparently that is um, I'm sure people are screaming right now. It's like, yes! I guess that is the Wookiee who, um, who's a Jedi. 
back in the High Republic era, not um, the one that we met during Rebels, uh, who was the Padawan. But apparently in a brand new Star Wars The High Republic show, uh, host Christina Ariel officially confirmed that the fan favorite Wookiee Padawan's fate. Uh, after more than a year of speculation, I am not up on High Republic stuff, so I have no idea. But apparently um, they survived the spoiler alert destruction of uh, Starlight Beacon, though she didn't say anything beyond that reveal. So again, I'm sure there are people who are up on The High Republic who are happy about that. Next up. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Let's see. Where are we? Scott Snyder. Mm-hmm. Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque preview a new post-apocalyptic comic series. So hot off the print release of the Scott Snyder and Tula Lote Comicsology Original Series Barnstormers, Comicsology Originals is revealing a preview of its latest Snyder Digital First Series, Duck and Cover Number 1. By Snyder and his longtime American vampire collaborator, Raphael Albuquerque. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, there's uh, some preview pages here if you're so interested. Uh, and I think that Barstorm's book came out this week, actually, because I think I saw that. But basically, the series explores what happens when the nuclear holocaust occurs in 1955. Kind of sounds like Fallout. Uh, mm-hmm. And the only people who survived are kids and teens who ducked under their desk and were told, uh, as they were told by the famous government films, that probably sure Agent 70 and I have had to, uh, 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 or some similar stuff that we had to go through uh, when we were kids. Right. Duck and Cover, number one, what I was looking for while Roddy Cat was filling in the gaps, uh, goes on sale next week, July 11th, 2022. Uh, Pat Oswalt teases uh, potential. Ooh, there we go. Come on, Pat Oswalt teases potential for minor threats movie. I, I guess so. Uh, Pat Oswalt and Jordan Blum continue to be dedicated to expanding the world of minor threats through the comics. Uh, the former revealed in one recent in, uh, interview that he'd love to see the property expand to the big screen. Uh, quote, you know, DC and Marvel are the big boys and you are working with their IP unless you're Robert Kirkman or Brian Michael Business, Bendis, and you get your own shingle over there. But for the most part, you know, a smaller company like Vault, Image, Aftershock, Dark Horse, you get to own your own property so that it gets sold. You own it. You decide how it gets made, said uh, in a recent appearance on uh, some Sirius XM show. So that's what we're kind of hoping, end uh, quote. Okay, I'm not don't know too much about that minor, uh, minor threats um, book, but it's out there. Next up, a Star Trek Halloween series starring the Next Generation crew has been announced. So they will embark on a mission for Halloween hijinks in a new Star Trek comic series this October from IDW Publishing, which announced Star Trek. Oh God, <laughs> Hollow. H-O-L-O dash Ween, a four-issue miniseries from writer Chris Sakara and artist Joe Isma that combines the classic Star Trek and the Next Generation holodeck episodes with the spooky season spirit. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. The holodeck, something happens, something always happens, and here you go. Keep pushing. So, probably would check that out, even though I'm not the biggest, biggest Halloween fan. 
but I'm a holodeck fan. So there you go. Skybound and Hasbro reveal uh, the Autobots and the Decepticons lined up for Transformers number one. Shout out to Tim, uh, Timothy Adams um, for, for this article. So it says here that Skybound, last week Skybound revealed the Autobots team, which will um, feature Optimus Prime, Ratchet, Cliffjumper, RC, and Wheeljack. Today, as uh, when this article was written, which was a few days actually ago, uh, the Decepticons will be Megatron, uh, Starscream, Rumble, Skywarp, Laserbeak, and Soundwave. So basically, <laughs> Megatron, Soundwave, and the tapes, and Skywarp. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh yeah, and Starscream, of course. I was about to say Starscream, Skywarp for, for the Jets, and then Soundwave and the tapes. Um. Also, there's a um, a, a, a picture here uh, that is accompanying of it, which you see um, Prime and the Autobots, and it says Ratchet Rollout, as opposed to... Oh, so it's pretty much different. Okay, so there's one for Skywarp, um, looking like a um, mixtape cover, <laughs> and uh, yeah, basically two different promo images uh, with different um, bots in it. So cool. I'm looking forward to this. We have to wait until October before we get this uh the first oh excuse me, October fourth to be specific, before uh the new Transformer series um pops off. Next up. Last but not least, Titan Comics is bringing some of its most popular franchises to San Diego Comic Con. The summer convention uh is set to uh have Titan Entertainment exclusives for uh, actually certain titles are going to be exclusive. So they include the show debut of the Mother Nature graphic novel by Jamie Lee Curtis with Russell Goldman and artist Carl Stevens, Conan the Barbarian number one exclusive foil cover by Art Germ and Conan the Barbarian number one exclusive cover by Colleen Duran and uh, a couple more exclusive covers. Look at that. Hmm. Speaking of Titan Comics, there was another comic that we didn't get a chance to get to that I'm, uh, I'm, I was hoping uh, that was going to be around so that uh, at the very least Agent 70 was going to be able to check out, and that was the Gun Honey uh, spinoff book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't get uh, we didn't uh, get a copy of that. So, hey, Titans, if you're listening, you know, hook us up. That's right. <laughs> As a matter of fact, there's a, yeah, there's a, a preview image here from uh, Bill uh, Sinkovich from that uh, Heat Seeker, a Gun Honey series number one, which came out this week. Oh, and there's a uh, Robotech Rick Hunter uh, image also, so that's interesting. Anyway, stuff from Titan Comics coming along the way. We just don't really get their books easily. So, But um, that, folks, is the end of the news section for tonight. Uh, can we get one more ad read? Our last ad read of the night, and you know what we read when it's late and we're tired. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, up jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends for every purchase made on Amazon. Through our link, Amazon sends a CSPN uh, payment... 
that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you, our loyal and faithful listeners and viewers. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. All right, folks, that is it for this here particular show for tonight. Um, we will be back next week. Yeah, we'll be back next week at some point. We are still not 100% sure if we will be observing movie protocols because next week is the premiere of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Yep, yep. Anticipated, so we'll to, be, to, yeah. to say the least. Yeah, we'll see. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to operate under the presumption, at least this at this point, that we will be observing movie protocol. But wait and see. Uh, check us out. Uh, you know, even on threads. Maybe that'll be my first thread. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, folks. And with that, I have been Radicat. You can find me at uh, Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter for at least for the time being uh, for both of those. Um, and you can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, Agent underscore is 70 on Twitter and Instagram. And I guess now threads. Ah. Uh, PCN underscore uh, PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com is on, on all his umbrella sites therein. And Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is CB uh, Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitter account, uh, The Click Nation on Twitter, that's T-H-E-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, uh, theclicknation.com also, and last but not least, uh, he is over at comicbook.com under the name Timothy Adams Rightness Face Off. You can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You could also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, uh, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Coast of the Podcast Network. And you could also find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30ish p.m., most like most times, Eastern Standard Time on YouTube channel, youtube.com slash theclicknation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit like, subscribe, and leave us all the five-star reviews. Cheer. And with that, folks, like I said, we'll stay tuned to our social medias. We'll let you know how next week's show is going to go, uh, whether there be a movie protocol or not. Uh, but this has been... Oh, and I hope you had a good 4th of July if you've celebrated. If you're not, I hope you had a good day off. Um... Such yeah, as, hope you came out of it safe with all of your fingers and toes and appendages. Yes, because I have heard of a couple of different episodes. One close to uh yep. one close to my uh my mom's house. So yep. but anyway, uh this has been the Cumber Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. Oh, my time is up. Peace out to Brooklyn.